Oh, thank you, Anna. And uh, Anna's been missing for a while, and she's back on our team. She had a long maternity leave, and we're just awesome. Great to have you back. Can you imagine memorizing all those words? <laughs> My word, and then getting them right? Oh, it was incredible, wasn't it? I just loved our music today, and I got to tell you, I really needed it. And I don't know about you, but uh, when we come in sometimes that uh, some, we maybe let circumstances or our thoughts or our feelings leave us uh, discombobulated or uh, feeling a little overwhelmed or discouraged in some way. And I just really loved the time we got to sing today together and uh, how God spoke to me. And I hope he did to you. I hope you were open to what he would say to you through the music today. Uh, we sang songs like, I am free. And when we started singing that song, it immediately it just changed the perspective I was feeling. Uh, of not feeling free this morning. And then we went right into the cornerstone and said, okay, that's because of Jesus Christ and who he is in me. And then we sang stronger. And we sang these words. It says this, there there is truth that sets me free, Jesus Christ who lives in me. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at how God illuminates himself to us. He just did that for me through the music. I don't know about you, and I just pray that that happened for you today. But God speaks to us, and he illuminates his word to us. He illuminates himself to us. You know, I had somebody write on their card to me last Sunday, and they said, you know, uh, I don't know how it is, but when I come to church on Sunday, I can't tell you how often it is that what God's been saying to me through the week or what I've been dealing with through the week, it's discussed or talked about on Sunday. How does that happen? I have people write me notes, and they'll say something like, Moran, when you were speaking today, or whoever was a speaker today, or I just felt like you were speaking right at me, like I was the only one in the room. How does that kind of thing happen? You know, we hear things like that. Yesterday at our men's breakfast, we had an amazing time at our men's breakfast yesterday. Guys, just want to encourage you to tap into those. But uh, Rick Harima led our music yesterday, and uh, as he, I shared some verses out of uh, 1 Samuel before he got up to sing, and it was amazing how what I shared, and then what he came up next to seeing how they fit together like a glove, and we hadn't even talked to each other. How does that kind of thing happen? Well, I believe it happens by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit working in us individually, and then we come together corporately, amazed, we're just amazed about what God has done. So what I want to do today, is, as I'm going to do my best today to talk about this whole idea of how does the Holy Spirit illuminate God's word to us? How does he illuminate God's word to us? Specifically, we're going to talk about the Bible, but we're going to look at, and you're going to be able to apply this to lots of different areas where you know that God has spoken to you. So go ahead and take your message notes out of your program, if you would. Uh, You'll be able to take some notes today and follow along. You just get those out and get those handy. If you have your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And uh, if you want to pick up a Bible every time you come in, love to have you do that. If you have a Bible, put it back. If you don't have one, we want you to take one as our gift to you. Take this as our gift to you. Love to have everybody, see everybody, have a Bible. Right at the top of your message notes, it gives our theme verse from Deuteronomy 8, where we're in, and it's 40 days in the Word. It says this, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. If it's every word that comes from his mouth, then we ought to know what he says, right? We ought to be able to get into the book. And then we know by, if we're going to live by every word he says, then we need to know what he says. We need to know how to read it, how to understand it. And we need to engage in it more regularly. One of the things we're doing in our 40 days is we're memorizing Bible verses. Now, my group took off this week, so we haven't had this memory verse that I'm going to ask some of you, maybe if you've memorized this week, to say with me out loud today. We'll do that every week, but here it is. Psalm 119, 18. 
Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your laws. Okay, I primed you. Now let's do it together. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your laws. So that's what we're talking about today is we're asking God that he would open our eyes that we could see what he has to say to us. See what he's talking to us about and then be able to apply that. Now some people, when it comes to the Bible, uh, they would say, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Come on, be real. Come be real. The Bible doesn't speak to us. The Bible doesn't say things to us. And there are folks that believe that, that really believe that the Bible doesn't speak, that it's just a book. And who are we to read that book and believe that God's talking about? It reminds me of a woman who was seated on the airplane. So she got out her Bible as she's getting ready for a trip, and she opened it up, and she started to read it. Well, there was a man sitting next to her, and he looked over at her, and he's looking at her reading her Bible, and he says, uh, well, do you really believe what's in that? And she looked at him and said, well, yes, I do. And he goes, well, you really believe things like a fish swallowing a man? She said, well, yeah, I do. Uh, it's in the Bible, so I believe it. Well, how did he live in the belly of a fish for that long? She goes, I I'm not sure. It's in the Bible. I believe it. And, she and then she said this. She says, when I get to heaven someday, I'll ask him. And the guy says, well, what if he's not in heaven? And she paused, and she said, well, then you ask him. <laughs> oh, that's a quick thinker, right? But, how, you know, some people just don't believe the Bible, and it speaks to us. But there are those of us who do, and I want to talk to those of us who do. You believe the Bible, and you believe God speaks to you, and yet you struggle. You struggle in hearing him speak to you. So if that's you, if you're struggling with hearing God speak to you, then I want to tell you, you've picked a great weekend to be here because I'm going to explain today and talk about how to let God speak to you through the Bible. So week one, we talked about inspiration, how, why we can trust the Bible. You know, last week, we talked about transformation and how we can let the Bible change us. And this week, we're going to talk about illumination and how God illuminates his word so that we can understand it. So great, right? What, but what is illumination? Well, glad you asked. Let's talk about that. I want you to write it down. Here's the definition. Illumination is letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. It's letting. Remember last week we talked all about this idea of let, that I have to let, I have to invite. It's a, it's a word of hospitality or invitation. So if God's word's going to speak to me, first of all, I need to let it speak to me. Let the Holy Spirit show me both the meaning. So I need to know the meaning. I need to know information. And I also know how it applies. I need to know application so it can lead to transformation. So I need to both. And the Holy Spirit will show us both. Now, before Jesus was crucified and resurrected, here's what he did. He talked to his disciples, and, and he was going to leave. He was their teacher. He was their master. He's the one that they had followed, and he was getting ready to lead them. And he assured them that even though he was leaving, that he would leave them with a teacher. He would leave them with someone who would communicate his word and his way to them to be able to help them to see things that they could not see unless they had spiritual eyes. Now, as that definition says, the Holy Spirit illuminates or shows me God's word. He brings it to life. 
He shines his light onto it so that we see it. As we talked in a few weeks ago and we talked again last week, he, when I'm reading, I just bumps something, bumps a word just right up at me or a phrase or something that he wants to teach me. And, oh, there's a bump. And then he, that's the Holy Spirit illuminating that portion to me so that I can look at it and then I can learn to apply it to my life. The Holy Spirit, we said last week, he teaches us, he rebukes us, he corrects us, and he trains us so that we can stay on the path. So he shows us what God wants us to know. Look at what Jesus said about this whole idea. He says, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, he will teach you, circle that, teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So that's the role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever had a good teacher in your life? A really good teacher, raise your hand. God's awesome. How many of you ever had a really bad teacher? Raise your hand. <laughs> we know the difference between someone who's a good teacher and someone is a bad teacher. See, a teacher's role is to help you to understand and know things that you currently don't know. To take complex things and help you to understand them in a way that you can be able to apply them and know them and how they apply to life. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Think about this. Is this book complex? I think it's very complex, very complex in a lot of ways. Is it difficult to understand? I think this book can be very difficult to understand. Is it impossible for us to understand it? No, because we have what? We have a teacher. We have a good teacher who helps us understand what this book has to say to us. And so Jesus says right there, he says, the Holy Spirit will be your teacher and he will be a good teacher. And then if you look at that word will, he says, he will teach you. Would you circle that? He will teach you. He not might teach you, not could teach you. If you're really good, he'll teach you. But he will teach you everything and remind you everything that I have told you. Now, followers of Jesus have been given the Holy Spirit to help them understand what the Holy Spirit teaches. So we've been given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us to help us to understand spiritual things, things in this book and things where God wants to talk to us about who he is and how he wants us to live in life. And what's amazing about this book uh, is that this is the only book that you can read it, and while you're reading it, you can talk to the author, and the author can talk back to you. So that happens when you pick this up. You're you can talk to the author right while you're reading it. And while you're reading, that author is talking back to you. And so that's the power of this book and us be able to understand it. Now look at these verses from Ephesians. Paul's talking about how the Holy Spirit works. And he's actually praying here that we would be able to understand that. And he says this, I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The Spirit will make you wise and let you understand. You might just think about that. Wise and let you understand. You might circle that. He'll make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. Then he goes on to say this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that's the key to what we're talking about today. That the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. You might circle that and underline it. May be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the mighty, is like the working of his mighty strength. So he's just saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be opened, that the Holy Spirit will illuminate for you the truths of God and who he is so that you can know him and that you will walk with him. And then as you walk with him, you're transformed to be like Jesus Christ. 
So when you are spiritually reborn, that moment when you cross the line of faith and you say yes to Jesus Christ, at that moment, the Bible says that God plants his Holy Spirit inside of you. And when he plants his Holy Spirit inside of you, it's not just like some, you know, superpower, like you now have high-octane gas where you used to have regular gas, not that kind of thing at all. But what happens is, is now, for the first time, you get spiritual ears to hear things you've never heard before. You get spiritual feelings, actually, to intuit things that you've never felt before and since then. You get a set of spiritual eyes. So now you see things in the world. You see things in your life that you've never seen before. And at different times, God will you know, heighten your ears so that you can hear things. He'll heighten your feelings and your senses so that you'll respond. And he'll just really ratchet in your eyes, your spiritual eyes, so that you see something that you had not seen before. And he usually does that, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. That's usually when he does that and why he does it. Now, what I want to do is I want you to turn to the back of your notes. I'm going to skip this next section. And now we're going to run all the way over to 1 Corinthians 2. So have your Bible there. What I want to do is I'm going to walk through some verses that um, really are some of the more complex verses in the New Testament. And I'm just going to ask God today that as I do this, that he will open our spiritual eyes, that he will open our spiritual ears, and that he will heighten our spiritual senses so that we can hear and see and feel exactly what he wants us to know in these verses. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about three steps that we can take, and I'm also going to talk about three categories of people. Three steps we need to take in order to, you know, have our eyes and ears and feelings and senses open, and then three categories of people will be described as we do that in these verses. Here's the first action. In order to understand and hear from God, I need to ask Jesus into my life basic truth. I need to ask Jesus into my life. If I just said a minute ago that it's when we cross that line of faith and we say yes to Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit's planted inside of us, then the first thing we have to do if we're going to have spiritual eyes, ears, senses, is that we need to have Jesus living inside of us. Folks, you will never understand the Word of God until you have the Word of God living inside you. It will never happen. So first of all, we had to have to have the Word of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And in these verses, what Paul is doing, the, set of, the first set of verses we're looking at here, he's clarifying for us just who it is that, who hears God's voice, who it is that sees the spiritual things. Here's what he says. He's talking to a church. He's talking to followers of Christ here. So you just know he's not talking to people who aren't followers of Christ. He's talking to those who are followers of Christ. So he begins like this. He says, we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So first of all, here's what he says. He says, I'm writing to those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross. And so you have received God's spirit. So that's who he's writing to. We've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So that's what helps us to know the wonderful things God has done. When we tell you these things, We do not use words that come from human wisdom. So he's saying, because we have received God's spirit as we talk to you about spiritual things, we're not talking to you about things that we just dreamed up on our own. We're talking to you about things that the Holy Spirit has shown you. So the words we speak to you right now are inspired and they're illuminated to you by God and the Holy Spirit. He illuminated them to us and we're now speaking them to you. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit 
using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. So what Paul's saying here is we're using what the Spirit told us, how he talked to us to explain his word to you. Now, here's when he makes the distinction. Here's the clarifying part of what he's saying. People who aren't spiritual. Now, that word spiritual, it doesn't mean that, you know, like I am spiritual, like our culture would say. You know, I have spirituality. And I'm pursuing whatever God I want. It means those who have said yes to Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying here. The spiritual ones, or those who have already said yes to Jesus Christ. So that's what he means by spiritual. Can't receive these truths from God. So what he says here is he says, hey, wake up. Just know that there's a whole world of people who've not said yes to Jesus Christ. And guess what? They cannot hear the words of truth of this book. We talked about this last week. We said that's why we can't go around as followers of Christ and pound this book on people's heads who don't know Christ and think that by pounding it on them hard enough and long enough, they're going to get it. They just can't. They don't have the ability. They don't have the spiritual ability because the Holy Spirit is not in them yet. And so it's not our job to pound this word into people. It's our job to live this word so people can see it. And so we don't do that. See, guess what? They can't see the truths from God's Spirit. Notice what it says. It all sounds foolish to them. All sounds foolish to them. How many of you have friends and, you know, you're talking about things and, and they say, here, you're going to church on the weekend. And they're like, church? you got to be kidding me. Who goes to church anymore? And then they, they see you and they look at you and they think, oh, my word, you talk about I'm going to serve at Fall Family Festival so the whole community has a chance to come and be able to experience the hand of love that God wants to extend through his church. What do you mean serve? Golly, I can't believe that you would give yourself a church and serve in that way. you got to be crazy. And then you'd say, you know, I can't go do this with you and, uh, because it's going to cause me to spend money that I really don't have because I've got a budget. And that part of that budget is, is I give to my church, give money to my church. And oh, what do you mean? Give money to your church? You've got to be kidding me. Who does that kind of thing? And then you say, well, I want to talk about somebody about, I want to go and do this because I want them to experience the love of Christ and say, oh, come on, get real. You know, that's because if you talk to people who haven't said yes to Jesus Christ about the things you're doing in the name of Jesus Christ, they're going to think it's what? Foolish. Hear that? Foolish. Foolish. And so the best thing you can do in your world is to look what? Foolish. Is to look foolish. You just have to put it just right up front. Just know, I'm going to go out of here today, and my pastor told me it's okay for me to be a fool. <laughs> I don't mean weird. I mean a fool. Because I'm doing and living for Christ as he's called me to live. And then he goes on to say this. For only those who are spiritual, here's the deal, only those who are spiritual understand what the Spirit means, understands what he's actually saying to us. So in order to understand God's word, in order to be able to hear from him, I need to at first have said yes to Jesus Christ and allow him to be in, the Holy Spirit to be in me, for him to talk to me, for him to show me. Until then, I can't hear from him. So the first step a person must take is to ask Jesus Christ to come into their life. Some of you have never done that. Some of you are here and you're going, wow, wow, you mean that's real? Wow, I've never been able to understand the Bible. I've come to church. I've maybe even served. I've maybe given some money. But you know, I've never really said yes to Jesus Christ. 
And today I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Because I want the Holy Spirit to be in you. In fact, because I don't want to go any further until you might want to say yes to Jesus. Let's just do that right now. So if you bow your heads. Bow your heads a moment. Jesus, I know there are people in the room, I know it, who have never said yes to you, fully said yes to you. And you said yes to religion, said yes to church, said yes to hanging around with people who go to church, but they've never said yes to you. So God, I just know as much as, just want to say this, that we could pray as much as we understand it. Jesus Christ, we want to accept what you've done for us on the cross. We want to accept what you've taught on, about forgiveness, and that Jesus Christ paid a penalty I couldn't pay for all the sin in my life. I confess my sin. I repent of my sin and turn away from it, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. As much as I understand it, help me to live that life. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if you prayed with me just now, what the Bible says is, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You now have a new set of ears a new set of feelings, and a new set of eyes to see things you've never seen before. So the first category of person Paul talks about is the person who's never said yes to Jesus Christ and cannot understand spiritual things. And the way you understand spiritual things is to ask Jesus in your life. Okay, second is this. The second thing I need to do is ask Jesus to open my eyes. I'm a follower of Christ. I need to ask Jesus to open my eyes. Throughout the Bible, the memory verse says, open my eyes. It's a prayer. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Open my senses. It's a prayer that we pray. So now what Paul does is he describes a category of person who has said yes to Jesus Christ, who has the, the spirit living inside of them, and then he talks about how they are unique as they do what the spirit says. This is what he says. Those who are spiritual, okay, spiritual means those who are followers of Christ, right? Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. Now, what he says is, because I have Christ, I can understand this book. The Holy Spirit will, as I'm reading this, as I'm in, he'll illuminate it, he'll bump it up at me, and I'm going to hear things I've never heard before, even though I've read the same verse maybe a hundred times. I'm going to see things I've never seen before, and I am going to feel things, intuit things about the spiritual life I've never felt or intuited before. So he says they can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? This is really cool. Who, can, who knows enough to teach him? Obviously, nobody except... But we understand these things, for we have the what? Mind of Christ. So now we have Holy Spirit inside of us, and Paul makes a distinction here, a clarification here for us to know. He says, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you literally have the mind of Christ in your mind. Now you have two natures. So you have the mind of Christ, and you have the mind of Ron inside of you. And so what you have to do is you have to access the mind of Christ and the way you access the mind of Christ is you pray, God, open my eyes, open my eyes that I can see what the mind of Christ wants to show me, that I can see what the mind of Christ wants to teach me. So here, this is a posture of humility. 
It's a posture where I just say, I don't know it all. I, don't, I cannot ever even begin to say I understand spiritual things, God. And God, I, it's not because of my wisdom. It's not because of the things I've done. But because I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, God, will you please open my eyes? Will you please open my ears? Will you please open my senses? Will you open my mind that I may hear Christ? So the second category of people Paul's writing to, he said, okay, there's a first category. He says, these people are people who never said yes to Jesus Christ. They cannot hear the Spirit. Then he says, okay, there's a second category of person. This is the person who said yes. The Holy Spirit's living inside of them, and they are asking the Holy Spirit to speak to them. So that's the second category that he's writing to. And then he talks about a third category, and this is where it's going to get really hot in the room, okay? It's going to get really hot in here. We go through this. I can just sense it. I felt it in my life as I went through this. I think the temperature's going to go up a little bit right now. And so for the third category, here's what we have to do. If we're going to hear, this, hear what God says, we have to ask Jesus to cleanse my heart. I have to ask Jesus to cleanse my heart. So now Paul is switching gears, and he's going to talk to those who said, have said yes to to Jesus Christ. They have the Spirit living in them. They have the mind of Christ available to them. They even hear Jesus speak to them, but they refuse to do the will of God. They refuse to do the will of Christ. This is what he says. We're going to go into 1 Corinthians 3 now. And by the way, just know that when they have chapter breaks, it's just really for our benefit so we can make references. This is just one long passage that Paul's writing here. And he says this, talking to the Corinthians, when I was with you, now he was with them about a, a year and a half, okay? So they had the best Bible teacher who's ever lived with them for a year and a half teaching them. So this is what he says, when I was with you for a year and a half, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people. In other words, I couldn't talk to you as people who had the Spirit. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as if you didn't yet have the Spirit or as though you were infants. So he says, not only, maybe some of you I had to talk to as if you didn't have the Spirit, but others of you I had to talk to as if you were just, just infants in the Christian life. By the way, there's nothing wrong with being an infant. I started as an infant, you started as an infant, we all start as babies, and then we all what? Grow. So we all start as a baby. So there's nothing wrong with being a baby. There's, it's a great thing to be as a baby. In other words, a baby Christian, someone who's just given their life to Christ. And, but yet what God wants me to do is he doesn't want me to stay an infant. He wants me to grow into maturity. And he says this, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. So now he's not able to be taught him for a year and a half. He's been gone. They've had time to work. They've had time to apply. And they're still not ready for more, he says. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. This is the before Christ nature, your sinful nature. And then he says this. Here's how you know it. You're jealous of one another, quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? So the way he's saying is how I live proves what's in my heart. How I live proves what's in my heart. Aren't you living like people of the what? World. People who don't know Christ. He says, you're living like people who don't know Christ, is what he's saying here. And he's just disappointed. He's disappointed in them. Disappointed that he would like to teach them what he calls meat, but he can't. He has to still give them milk because they are still infants. And the reason they are still infants is that they have not listened to the word of God. They've not listened to the word of Christ. They've not brought it into their lives. They've not said yes, and they've not allowed Jesus Christ to change them. They still struggle with 
strong physical urges, and they still want to, remember last week we talked about this? We made the distinction between cultural morality and biblical morality. They still struggle and want to adopt cultural morality in areas where it's convenient, in areas where it's just not, you know, it's going to maybe, I, this is something I, I really need to do, or I'm going to feel uncomfortable if I don't do this, or somebody else is going to make fun of me. If I don't. So I'll adopt cultural morality here, and that's okay, but then I'll adopt biblical morality over here, and what Paul's saying here is he's saying, you are still an infant, and you know what? You may still, ooh, this is really hard. You may actually still not know Christ. And you need to ask yourself that question. You may never given your life to Christ. You may have thought you did and never did. But you're still an infant if you are not adopting God's word and will fully into your life. So I think what Paul is saying, he says, when the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God, what he wants is he wants the Bible to dig deeply into you so that the Bible then chews out of you the things that God doesn't want in you, the, thing that, the things that he wants to change in you. Okay, so we think about this. Think about milk, meat, milk, meat. I hear these phrases all the time. Milk, meat. Give me more meat. Give me less milk. More meat, less milk. I hear that all the time. So here's what. I just want to define this for us. Milk is when we teach the basics of the Christian faith and the power of the cross. That's kind of the milk idea. So I'm teaching folks the basics of the Christian faith and the power of the cross. Meat is when we teach people the full counsel of the, of the word, full counsel of the word, so that what happens, so the result is not that there's more information, not that there's more head knowledge, but there's more application. So that as I, meat leads to application. Meat leads to life change, not status. Christ died for my sins, that's milk. He calls me to die to myself, that's meat. Christ died that I may have life, that's milk. Christ died that I may die to myself that others might have life. That's meat. Christ gave himself that we all may have life and know the Father. That's milk. We give of ourselves so that all may see Jesus, all may have life, and all may know the Father. That's meat. Milk is teaching the truth of God accurately. Meat is applying the word of God completely applying it completely. And what we try to do here is to give you both. We give you milk, truth, meat, application. And that's our style of teaching. We give you both so that you can understand. We just don't do one or the other. We give you both so that you can, you, not so that you can go and have more knowledge or more information. That's what some of us get all hung up on. They say, I want more meat, Ron. But they're really saying, I want more information, Ron. And I don't really give a rip if it changes my life. Because I just want more information because that satisfies me. And what we say is, no, what we need is more information. And so that the information leads you to life change. And so we try to help in that area to help people know him. Then he gives three examples. He says, first you're jealous. Then you quarrel. And then he ends with, you're worldly in your pursuit. So that kind of, that kind of lumps it all together, okay? You're jealous. So you want to ask yourself this whole idea, am I jealous of others? Am I envious of others? Am I greedy? If I have, am I pursuing worldly pursuits? Am I a quarrelsome person? Do I, am I really just got a chip on my shoulder and I'm looking for ways that I can uh, have my way uh, and get what I want in some way? See, I'll just say it this way. Some of you don't hear the word of God when you read the word of God because you've got sin in your life. It's just that simple. See, you base your actions on what the culture, culture morality, you're basing your actions on what the culture says is acceptable 
And what God wants you to do is base your actions on what the Bible says is acceptable and let God live through you. Let him live through you. Now, how do I know if I'm letting the word of God live in me and through me? How do I know? Is it just because I'm not jealous anymore? Is it just because I'm not quarrelsome anymore? Is it because I can, I'm changing my pursuit path? Well, yes, but you can even do more than that. Look at these verses that Paul writes in Galatians 5. It's kind of a litmus test for your heart. A litmus test on how you've been letting God, God work in you and speak to you. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's illuminating, and the Holy Spirit's producing... And it says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So this is the life, the Holy Spirit. This is what, when God's illuminating, when the Holy Spirit's illuminating God's word and bringing it to life into you, here's what should happen. Here's the result. He says this, the result is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. So that's the test. You mean it's not like, an, it's not like a test where I have to name the, all the books of the Bible? You mean that's not the test? No. I, I, can, I can show you where Ob- Obadiah is before anybody else. <laughs> I can sell transubstantiation. I can tell you what that is and how it works. No. The test of your faith is, do you have more love? Not just for those who are lovely. You have more joy. Even when circumstances aren't going your way. Are you kinder? Ask your family. Are you kinder? Are you gentler? Bad grammar. Are you gooder? <laughs> I just had a self-control test. It was called Halloween. <laughs> and I failed. <laughs> But are you, are you, how are you, is what is God doing in you, and your heart? Is this who you are? See, true, true, spiritual, true, true spirituality is not measured by the amount of time you've been a follower of Christ. True spirituality is not measured by the amount of knowledge you have about the Bible. True spirituality is measured by the amount of change that God has done in you. The amount of change. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's pray. So, Father, as we look at that list, I'm just going to ask if you would just look at that list. I'm just going to ask today that you would evaluate us, God, that you would show us, that you would speak to us, God. You would help, help each of us that as we look at that list, that uh, you would show us, Father, and maybe do an assessment of our heart today. Holy Spirit, you live in everyone who's chosen you now. Everyone in this room who has said yes to you, and everyone's had a chance today to do that. You're living inside of them. And I ask right now that you would illuminate the truth of your word at this moment. I ask that you would speak. I ask that you would show us, God. I ask that you would just rip our hearts out when it comes to, am I part of the third category? The third category is people who've said yes to Jesus. And are either ignoring fully the counsel of the Spirit or picking and choosing what they want to do and not the rest. 
And I have a feeling, God, that the third category is the biggest category of people who know you. And that today you want to challenge our heart. You want to raise the temperature. You want to show us the true condition of who we are and why we live. And Jesus Christ, I pray that even in this moment that you're illuminating our minds. You're showing us. You're giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, and senses to feel what you would say to us today about us individually and then how you want to use us corporately to change the world. And I pray that you would open our hearts, Jesus, that you would open our hearts.
Christ, we thank you so much. And it's in your name we sang those words. In your name we pray. Amen.